So good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning and to share with you from the Word of God. I Last week, I'm sure you know which series we are in. <laughs> so, Justine, I didn't expect you to laugh that loudly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we are in the book of Mark, and we will be for most of this year. And we just feel like it's such a... Wow, such a powerful gospel. And I think all of the gospels, you know, it gives us snapshots of who Jesus Christ is and, and who he was when he dwelt amongst us. And I think from that powerful picture, we can, we can learn so much. It speaks into our lives and especially the book of Mark. The book of Mark has the perspective that it shows us Jesus Christ the person of Jesus Christ by what he did. So if you go to Matthew and maybe Luke, you see Jesus Christ slightly differently. Matthew will have a lot of what Jesus taught. And so we'll see Jesus Christ through his teaching. So when you um, read the book of Mark, however, you, you see Jesus Christ by his, by his deeds, what he did. And so we don't see much of his teachings, but we have a fast-moving account of what happened during the time that Jesus Christ was on earth. And so the idea that Mark was trying to bring to the, his Gentile audience, the Romans at that time, was to say that Jesus is the suffering servant. Jesus as servant. And so Jesus as the servant was prophesied way back hundreds of years before in the book of Isaiah, now is actually walking amongst us, or had walked amongst us, Mark was writing, and, and he was telling us what Jesus did. And so last week we had um, in our series, Good News at Last, because what Jesus Christ brings is the gospel, right? But what gospel is that? Is it the gospel of salvation only? Is it the gospel of the kingdom? And our I want to put it to you that there's a slight difference between those two. There's a difference to thinking about the gospel of salvation only and the gospel of the kingdom. And so last week, Steve, Steve looked at saying yes to the good news. Remember when Jesus Christ was baptized and he entered his ministry, what did he do? He went and he called the disciples, right? He called them. And what, what was their response? Can you remember? He came by Peter in, 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 the, in the boat and he, was, he called them and he said, come and follow me. What was their immediate response? It was to drop their nets and to follow him. And I think in that there's a call for us as a church. The word of Jesus Christ comes as powerfully today as it did all those centuries ago to say, come and follow me. And so we may say that, but wait a minute, my life is very different from a bunch of fishermen who was fishing on um, the Sea of Galilee. And what are you saying? What, what relevance does Jesus Christ have to my life? And Jesus promised the disciples something very significant. He says, come to me and I will make you fishers of men. Did it require anything of their strength? He said, I will make you fishers of men. And so all it required from them was a humble submission. And he would transform them from being fishermen to being fishers of men. 
And so I think today we have an amazing privilege as the people of God who live in this time and this day. Like if I had to ask anyone here, what is it that you do for a living? I'd I'd hear very interesting things. I mean, I know a few people. Uh, People do amazing things. But just think about what you do. Think about your living situation at home with your family, with your friends. What relevance do you think that Jesus Christ has for us today? Who is Jesus to you? That's my question to us this morning. Remember when Jesus Christ uh, spoke to the disciples and he asked them, he says, who do people say that I am? Remember that question? And Simon Peter was the one who answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, no one has revealed this to you but the Father in heaven. And so, and so I think that Jesus Christ comes to us again today, this morning, in Kenilworth. And he says, who do you say that I am? Because I think that that affects the way that we think about the word of God. It affects the way that we think about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that we do. We have our frequency guys still with us. Yes, we do. They are CLA. <laughs> but, but even if you think of the young guys, right? I mean, these guys are in high school. Emma, are you in high school? No? Almost. Okay. It's coming. No, Charlene, I think those days have passed. But, <laughs> but <laughs> okay, you once were. So, so the thing is, just think about... These young people who are sitting with us even this morning. And we ask them, who is Jesus Christ to you? Ali and Emma. Sorry, you're the guys who I see, so I'm using your names. But but, but what significance or what relevance does Jesus Christ have to us in our our day? And I want you to think as a mother and a father and a, a person who goes to work or whoever you are, what significance? And so I want to, Dallas Willard, um, I think this is the second time I'm quoting him, so I must make a check that that's the last time. Otherwise, you may think. <laughs> but he says, is Jesus Christ just a good teacher that once lived? Was he just a prophet? Was he just, or, or maybe he's, he's, he's the son of God. And you say, come on, he's the son of God. But, but do I tend to confine him to a space that is just church? Do I tend to only confine Jesus Christ to a space where we take out our Bibles and we say, now we are in the presence of God? Is that the only place where Jesus Christ has a place? Or when we leave here and we get in our cars and we drive home and we interact with our spouses and we interact with our children, is he right there with us? And so that's the difference between the gospel of salvation where I'm just waiting. It's my ticket to heaven, right? I've made that decision. It's my ticket to heaven. I don't have to worry. I'm, I'm good to go. Actually, I'm good. And the gospel of the kingdom that says, come, follow me. Every single day, come, follow me. Whatever you are doing. And so Landa Cope writes a book um, called The Old Testament Template where she speaks about the significance and the mind of God for every sector of life. And we can find that throughout the Old Testament. And she says, what about uh, God's word with, uh, where it has relevance to government, economics, 
science and technology, family, education, communication, arts and entertainment, and even the church. And so she says we need a bigger picture of Jesus Christ. And it's when we have that bigger picture of Jesus Christ that we understand how we are to live our lives. When we have that bigger picture, let us look at the book of Colossians chapter 1. I know we're dealing with Mark, but let's just skip to Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 if you can. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Do we understand who Jesus Christ is? In him, all things hold together. The physical realm, the the world that we live in, our relationships, everything that we experience holds together in the person of Jesus Christ. Take Jesus Christ out of that picture, and I put it to you, we wouldn't have even a physical reality. Take Jesus Christ out of the picture And our relationships disintegrate because we are people who are selfish. And it's not easy to love unconditionally. And it's not easy to step out of our own existence into someone else's and to give of ourselves to them. Take Jesus Christ out of our country and we have complete anarchy and evil. And so as we come to this week and we say that the good news is powerful, I hope that I will bring it to you from the Word of God this morning, that the good news is powerful enough to speak into your life. And not just into our lives, but into, our, into everything that we experience in life. And so let us turn to our text this morning. It's found in... Mark chapter 1 from verse 21, and I'll be reading to 34. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. It says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. 
At once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding regions of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And so this morning, our portion of scripture speaks powerfully into three areas that I'd like to bring you to. It says that, those three areas say that the good news is powerful, Jesus teaches with authority, the teaching is powerful, his power, he has power over evil, and he has power to heal. And so this is what we are going to be looking at this morning. When we look at that portion of scripture, we see that the teaching of Jesus is so powerful and so unlike the teaching the people had heard at that time that they were astonished. And they, they, but they had to take a, a moment and say, wait a minute, this is not like anything we've ever heard. Where does this teaching come from? And so one of the amazing things when we read the Word of God is, I think I have a picture of modern-day Capernaum there. Um, can you see it? There we go. A beautiful village by the Sea of Galilee. This is the Sea of Galilee. These are actual pictures of present-day Capernaum. And I think one of the beautiful things about the Word of God is that it's, it's, based in, it's based in history. When we read about these places, these places actually exist. And even modern archaeology brings to life the stories of the Bible. Because we see later on, I have some pictures of Peter's mother's house where, where people think that Peter's mother's house actually existed. And so, and so the Capernaum on the was a, a small little uh, fisher village on the Lake of Galilee and just about 50 meters um, or a little bit further than that, maybe about 300 meters off the Sea of Galilee was the temple where Jesus taught. And you can just imagine the people gathering there at the temple where, um, you know, the, the sea breeze would have been blowing in and they've been hearing the, the teaching of Jesus Christ. And so to this day, you can go and see the ruins at the temple. And so the, the new temple, the ruins of the new temple, I think there's a picture of the new temple. Can you skip there? There we go. And so this is a temple that was built 400 years after the original temple and built on the very, very site of that original synagogue. And so you can imagine Jesus standing there and what they had at those, in those times was there would be the scribes and they would be teaching but they would also allow visiting rabbis to come and teach. And so Jesus was one of these visiting rabbis who came and taught. And when we look at how Jesus taught, we see that the people were astonished. Why? Because remember when we said that when we come from the period of silence and we come into this time when Jesus was born and Jesus announces his ministry... Remember that the priests at that time were no longer from the line of Aaron. The line that God said, 
this is where my priests are going to come from. And so they, had, they were hired priests, and you had the scribes who were experts in the law, and they were responsible for um, just transcribing the, the holy writings from generation to generation. And when they spoke, the best that they could do was to quote their predecessors. The best that they could do was to say, so-and-so said this, and so base it on that. Their authority was based on other rabbis and their teaching. But now imagine what happens when, when Jesus Christ comes. He comes into the temple and he says, and he speaks the word of God. But just sometimes I think, you know, we read the word of God and we, we don't realize that Jesus Christ coming, breaking in, to human existence was probably the most, that's the most significant event in all of human history. Just think about it. God himself, the God who created us, the God who, the God who created this universe, stepping into time and space and then coming to teach. I mean, wouldn't you sit up a little bit straighter in your chair? Wouldn't you like be, I don't know, trying to record it with your cell phone, at the very least. I mean, this was God himself speaking to people. And so it doesn't matter if you were 12 or, I don't want to say, any other upper number. 12 or however old you are, however much of life you've experienced, when Jesus Christ spoke, you listened. And so this is what the people, the people heard. And so the word of God says that they were absolutely astonished. And so we see that when Jesus Christ speaks, he speaks of his own authority because this is God speaking to human existence. And so, you know, when you hear truth, when someone speaks truth and it resonates with you and the penny drops, it has the power to transform the way that you see yourself, the way that you see life. It has the power to say, I need to drop my nets and follow him. And this is exactly what these people would have heard at that time. And so Jesus spoke with a depth of insight and wisdom that was unknown. Because when he saw you and he spoke to you, he knew everything about you. Remember when he spoke to Nathaniel and he said, in you is an upright Israelite. And Nathaniel was taken aback by that. And he said, are you surprised by that? Because he was God himself. And so when Jesus Christ spoke, he um, he speaks with authority and in his words there's power. And so, you know what this makes me think of? What does that mean for us today? It means that we have the word of God. And we have Jesus Christ. Those of us who, who have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we, we say we are Christ followers. What does that mean that every day, we actually understand what it is that Jesus Christ wants from us. And so whether we are in school or working or in college, studying, university, wherever we are, that we actually draw on his wisdom and we allow his teaching to transform us. And, and then most of all, remember when Jesus Christ says, in me resides all authority, therefore go. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There is no greater authority. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He says, therefore go. And so God gives some of his authority to us as his people. And so what do we do with that? He says, go and make disciples. 
And so sometimes we tend to want to confine that only to a church space, right? But I think that we have the privilege in all the spaces that we occupy, everywhere that we are, that we have the privilege of forming relationships with people. So just a quick story. So I used to be, my, my, my understanding of my faith when I was a young believer was that I needed to, and some of you may have heard this over and over again, so I apologize, <laughs> but I think it's relevant here. But I used to think that because I'm a Christian, I need to go to school and I need to go to varsity and, and I need to just keep myself clean from all these ungodly people, you know, like all these like worldly, do you, do you hear that? Do you ever hear that? The worldly people, you know those people? So, it's because we are like saved, you know, we're God's people. And so we need to keep ourselves clean from these people. And I've completely lost track of time, so you must, Chantal will keep me in touch. So, so the, what I used to think is that when people invited me to events, they would say, hey, Brandon, we're having a bride. Please come and come, and come, come with us. I would say, oh, no, sorry, I've got, I've got Bible study. I always felt that was a very good excuse, you know, or... <laughs> Or, hey, listen, it's tea time. Why don't you come and have a cup of tea with us in the tea room? I actually got work to do. I must work. You know, I need to work. And I didn't go to tea for a very long time. And maybe you're sitting there judging me, right? But this is how it really was. But you know what I learned after a while when I realized what Jesus Christ has come to do? Is that those are exactly the spaces where we need to be. Those, are, those brides and those parties and those tea times and those relational spaces, come on. Hasn't he called us to those spaces? And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. And I think that's amazing when we realize that. That we go into our spaces and with the authority of Jesus Christ, we form relationships because we want to tell people that God loves them and he cares for them and he has a personal interest in their lives. Moving on swiftly. So Jesus is teaching as authority. But then we read further that he was in the synagogue. So, so essentially what's happening here is that we are spending a day with Jesus Christ and his disciples, right? So in the morning, he goes to the synagogue, teaches with authority. After that, he walks 50 meters away from the synagogue, maybe from the gate until here with his disciples, and he goes to the home um, um, of, of Simon. But before he goes to the home of Simon, something happens in the synagogue. A man who is possessed by a demon starts to manifest and show himself. And so it's a very interesting exchange and something where we can learn something about the authority of Jesus Christ. It says, and immediately there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Has, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebukes him and says, Be silent. And come out. In this exchange, we see that there's a direct clash of evil versus the ultimate good. We see the Holy One of God being confronted with evil. Does Jesus just push the man to the side? Does he try and ignore him? Does he, like, no, he confronts the evil and he deals with it by rebuking it in I can't say in Jesus' name because he was Jesus. <laughs> but, but that's what we do. 
And that's what we are called to do. So when Jesus comes, and there's an interesting exchange here because just think about this. If Mark is revealing who Jesus Christ is to his audience, it means that not even the Pharisees or the, the teachers of the law appreciated who Jesus Christ was. But here the demon knew exactly who he was. What does that say to us? It's not enough to know who Jesus is. It's not enough for us just to know who Jesus is. He needs to become our Lord and our Savior. He needs to become the one who directs how we do our lives. And so when we see this opposition, there's a, there's a little bit of a, there's something interesting where he's proclaiming who Jesus is and Jesus silences him. And it's a, it's a theme throughout Mark. And so some people say it's just a literary device. It didn't actually happen at the time. It's just a way that the authors were using to show Jesus' authority over the evil realm. Others say that at the time, to know someone's name was to actually have authority over them. And so Jesus Christ was just breaking that um, with, with the forces of evil and said, be silent. Don't even, uh, do, you, do you understand? Just breaking that. And, and then still others say that um, Jesus Christ had a mission on earth. And that mission was not political power. Remember, if people understood who Jesus Christ was, they were waiting for him so long, they were ready to make him king. Remember, after he fed the, the multitudes, they were ready to make him king. And Jesus withdrew from that. And so, and so what we see here is that we see Jesus Christ who confronts evil and has authority over evil. And, and what does this make us reflect on today in our lives? If we are followers of Jesus Christ, if he says, come and follow me, be my disciples, what happens when we face injustice and evil in our society as believers, do we shy away? Do we turn a blind eye? You know, I think of, I think of human trafficking. Human trafficking is a very real, like, it's very real in our context today. Um, there's a, Greg Haugen leads uh, the International Justice um, I forget the name, but, but these guys fight. They are a Christian organization that fights human trafficking all around the world. When we see what has happened by the power of God in places like Cambodia, where children were, slay, were, were, were sold into sex slavery, and now is actually, I think they are like the, the example of what it means to, to take care of children, of child care, because of the power of the word of God. What does that call us to as, as believers when we confront evil and injustice, we need to confront it and rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You know, it means that when we are followers of Christ, we have this word becomes our lens. And we feel keenly what Jesus Christ felt and, 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 and what his heart is. So after, after the, the, the synagogue experience and showing his power over evil, we see that Jesus Christ comes into the home of, the, uh, of, of, of Simon Peter, and it's said that Capernaum was like a, it was a home base for Jesus Christ, so he would go and minister and he would come back, and so this was like a home for him, and so um, about 50 meters from the synagogue, they went to the home of Simon Peter, and what do we see there? 
it says, and he came. Um, now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. I think that there's a slide showing the, the homes in Capernaum, just to show that, so this is, they, so, so historians feel that they, they think that they know the exact home of uh, uh, Simon, Simon Peter, and so these were the little homes, they were very small little homes, and they kind of, uh, many homes backed up into a communal courtyard where people would make fire and, and, and prepare food, but, but this was the kind of uh, reality that Jesus Christ would have encountered and so um, what happened was over the home of Simon Peter, there was an octagonal church built just to signify the, that place where Jesus Christ kind of spent a lot of his time. And so, and so I think it's just amazing to know that our faith is so grounded in history that we can even go back and, and speculate about the exact place where Jesus Christ stood. I don't know who of us have visited Israel and gone to the various places I mean, people often say that when they've been there, they feel a special sense of significance, having walked the roads, having seen the places where Jesus interacted with. And so it just grounds what we read in the Word of God in reality. And I'll tell you why I'm kind of, I'll tell you why I I keep trying to emphasize the reality of the Word of God. But what do we see here? We see Jesus Christ's authority or power even in sickness. And so, very different to the way that he approached the evil spirit, very sternly rebuking it. Do you see, do you notice something in the word of God when he comes to Simon's, Simon's mother-in-law? He gently takes her by the hand. He lifts her up and the fever leaves her. So on Friday night, I had fever. And so this portion of scripture became very real to me. <laughs> and so I know what it feels like. You don't feel like you want to do anything. I came home and I just crashed into bed. I said, Chantal, I can't do anything now. Let me just sleep. Um, and I was out for that whole, the whole evening. And I can imagine how weak Simon, um, Simon's mother-in-law must have felt. And Jesus Christ comes in his deity and his power. And he gently takes her by the hand. Do you sense the compassion and the empathy? And he lifts her up, and the fever leaves her. And the word of God says, and she begins to serve. And I think there's something beautiful in that. There's something of the kingdom, the rays of the kingdom of God shining through. You know, when I think of um, Jesus Christ coming and ushering in the kingdom of God, one day when we are with with God at the culmination of the kingdom of God, there will be no sickness. There will be no illness. There will be no sadness or evil. There will be none of these things. But we live in the already, but not yet. And so here on this side, we still experience sickness. We still experience evil and suffering. But you know, the the person of Jesus Christ is there with that compassion and that empathy to draw alongside, and it's ours, it's ours as the people of God to, with faith in God, lay our hands on the sick and trust God to heal them. Do we see, do we see any kind of overreaching, like, 
out of, you, you know, like extravagant claims or, or any fanfare. No, we don't see that. We see the gentle, compassionate heart of Jesus Christ. And that's what we are called to as his people. When we encounter, and that's why I'm so amazed, you know, I mean, we didn't coordinate that prayer time this morning. But, but this is what we are to do, and I hope that this will be a, yeah, this will be our rhythm as a church, that you know that at any time we can just call. If you need prayer, we are there to pray with you. If it's for your physical healing, if it's for anything in your life, we are there to surround each other and to pray and trust God. And so this is what we see, you know, in this amazing account of who Jesus Christ is. And so, and so as, we, as we see this, we, 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 we think about the authority of Jesus Christ and the fact that in him all things hold together. And I want to put it to us that the same authority that Jesus Christ taught with way back then is the same authority that the word of God should hold in our lives even now. And not just here, but when you go to the, wherever you go, when you're dealing with customers, you know those difficult customers, where the customers are always right, by the way, um, where, where, where the children are difficult if you are a teacher, where, where, listen to this one, where you come home after a long day and your children are very demanding, does the word of God still inform us how we relate to our children? Does the word of God inform us how we relate to a spouse when we're having a disagreement? I know it's only me. Um, but when we're having those disagreements and when our patience is like this, do we spare thought? I'm not trying to bring any guilt. I'm just saying that the word of God, the kingdom of God, encompasses everything that we do. And so we live in the kingdom of God. And so maybe those of you who are still checking out the claims of the kingdom of God. It's a place where we live happily under the authority of Jesus Christ. Because he has authority over anything that we could ever face. His teaching has authority for our lives. He has authority over any evil that we may face. Because remember, we have a real enemy. And we, he has authority over even our physical being. And so as we consider this, you know, and, and as we think about the gospel of the kingdom, I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us as believers to live as subjects of the kingdom of God. I want to call those who are still checking out the claims. I want to say, make haste. Make haste to, to make that decision. Be quick to make that decision. We never know when we won't have any more time. Because life is uncertain, right? I mean, just look at all those people who died from the coronavirus. They were just traveling. These were young people, maybe. They were going somewhere. And I'm just saying that life is not guaranteed. And here we have an amazing invitation into the kingdom of God. And, and what I'd like to just end with this morning is that if we read um, the response by the the mother, Simon's, Simon's mother-in-law, it says that after Jesus healed her, she began to serve him. It seemed like the most natural response. After Jesus healed her, she served him. What does that call us to? How is God calling us to serve him this morning? 
in your family, in your place of work. And maybe you are sitting here and as maybe Simon comes up, I'd like to extend an invitation because I think an invitation is something that should always be in a church, if not anywhere else, right? Is for those who want to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Or if there's an area of your life that you just want to this morning say, Lord, I need to bring this under your authority. I just want to bring this under your authority, my marriage, Lord, my parenting, my work life. Like you are welcome to maybe as we just bend our, our heads, just raise your hands and I'll pray with you this morning. You know, the, these are times when we sit in the presence of God and we have the privilege of being with the people of God that, you know, the, the space between heaven and earth is, is very, it's a thin space. And God is able, not only here, but I'm just saying in, the, in these moments, He's able to reach and touch. And so if that's you this morning who needs prayer, just raise your hand and slip it back down and we'll, we'll pray for that. Amen. See you again. You know, I'm just sitting, I'm standing here thinking maybe this isn't something that you normally do. Maybe church is such a new experience for you. But I want you just to put all that stuff of church out of your mind and just understand that God loves you. He knows you. And He loves you unconditionally. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this hand that was raised, Father God. Lord, as your people, we want to come and submit under your authority, Father God. Because, Father, we know that your authority doesn't bring a control over our lives. Rather, it brings a freedom. It brings freedom to really live. And so, Father, I pray that you would just help us to see that your kingdom means, Father God, that every part of our lives are, are just part of what you, you care for, Lord God. Father, when we say that our Father who art in heaven, Father, we, we, we literally mean that our Father who is all around us all the time, who cares for us in everything that we are doing. And Father, we pray that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray that you give us that presence of heart and mind and that will to say, Lord, we want to live intentionally for your glory. Father, we thank you for the snapshot and these glimpses of who Jesus Christ was and is. And we submit ourselves in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.